Okay, before we get going, I should just let you know that you're going to hear the odd F word here and there. It's only ever used as a means of emphasis and it's part of how I speak. We've all been there. Someone is talking to us and then when the conversation ends, you can't remember a word of it. What did you think about my pitch? A colleague might ask. But you can't reply because frankly you weren't paying attention. Our attention is a scarce resource. It's no accident that we use the term pay attention in everyday language. When you attend to one stimulus, you pay it by not being able to attend to another. We are happier when we pay attention to what we are doing and who we are doing it with, when we are in the flow of an experience. Distraction is an attention thief and it makes you less happy. This series is brought to you with the support of the LSE. This episode is brought to you by the letter A for attention. We'll talk about why it matters, why people often allocate it in unhelpful ways and discuss some of the tools that you can use to pay more attention. So how does attention work? Well, imagine two biscuit factories. One runs well, the other incompetently. They might have identical inputs of sugar, flour, labor, and so on, yet produce very different amounts of biscuits, depending on their production process. The same goes for manufacturing happiness. Attention acts as a production process that converts stimuli into happiness. So when someone asks, does money make you happy? The answer is, it depends on how much attention you pay it. Attention is a scarce resource. You give it to one thing and by definition you can't give it to something else. By and large, we're happier when we're engaged in what we're doing and who we're doing it with. It's vital that you pay attention to the feedback about what activities feel good and which don't. A significant part of our attention is allocated unconsciously. For example, we don't choose to pay attention to the French music that's playing in the supermarket that makes us more likely to buy French wine. We're unaware that we're paying unconscious attention to the French music. Because so much of what we do and how we feel is caused by these unconscious and automatic processes, you can't just think yourself happier. You can't just be positive like you hear in so many self-help books. Instead, you need to create the environment, situation and context that makes it easier for you to think positively without having to try too hard to do so. We eat unhealthy food because it's there. The proximity of a school to a fast food restaurant is correlated with obesity amongst pupils. We might focus on the happiness we get from a bigger house, only to find out once we've moved that the misery of the increased commute outweighs the benefits. Students choosing between universities unconsciously notice whether it is rainy or sunny on open days, and that influences their decisions. It's possible to use the interaction between conscious and unconscious attention to make better decisions. For example, take a break from thinking about something to allow your unconscious mind to process it. This is very different from being distracted. None of us have had a good idea when we sit down and say, right, I'm going to have a good idea in the next half hour. We have good ideas that feel like they pop into our head when we're in the shower or on the train. It's not popped into our head, it's popped into our consciousness. The unconscious mind has been all the while thinking about it. So allow yourself time to take a break from thinking too hard about it. What can you do to start paying attention? Well, first of all, focus on one task at a time. If you're reading, turn your phone off for a certain amount of time so that you can focus. None of us can multitask. The brain flits between single tasks quickly, and that makes us less happy and more tired. Use checklists. They help us focus on what we've predetermined to be important rather than what we decide is important in the moment. They're especially helpful in drawing us back from tunnel vision. Try to reduce mind wandering 
This has been linked to decreased happiness. Engaging in activities that prevent your mind from wandering, such as having new experiences, will help you pay attention. You can reduce the time you spend on apps. In one study, over 200 people were asked seven times a day if they could resist using social media when they wanted to. They were unsuccessful nearly half of the time. That's a higher failure rate than for all other activities, including drinking coffee, smoking and having sex. Again, we need to design environments that automatically shift the tension in ways that will make us happier. The fundamental reason why most of us aren't as happy as we might be is that we allocate attention in the wrong ways, often at odds with experiencing pleasure and purpose. So if the misallocation is the fundamental problem, then the reallocation is the fundamental solution. And you do that by designing your environment differently. For example, you could display reminders of positive memories and accomplishments, use colors and scents that promote positive emotions, incorporate natural elements like plants, and place work-related things away from sight after you're done with work. Imagine this, you're at work on a sunny day as your boss enthusiastically explains a new project to you. Initially, you pay close attention to what your boss is saying, but the sounds of the words coming out of their mouth gradually fades away as you notice your stomach growling and you begin to think about where to get lunch. Have you ever caught yourself mind-wandering in similar situations where your eyes are fixed on your boss, colleagues, or computer screen, but your mind has secretly wandered off to another time or place? You may be recalling an embarrassing moment or thinking about your plans for the weekend or humming a new song that you can't get out of your head. This is mind-wandering when we're focused on things unrelated to the ongoing task or what is happening around us. We spend a lot of our time doing this and usually our mind wanders more when we're involved in tasks that we're used to doing. So challenging yourself more, whether at work or having new experiences or learning something new will help you pay attention to the moment. Next time you plan a date, why not try having a new experience with your partner instead of doing the same old thing? There are instances when mind wandering is beneficial such as when your mind drifts in boring meetings. Do you have an unopened bill that's bothering you? Well, then fucking open it. Resolve the misery-making uncertainty process and get to the adaptation process by confronting that uncertainty head-on. Most things feel better once you've made a decision. Many aspects of the modern world, especially technology, are attentional thieves. Attention distraction disorder is changing our minds and our lives. There are many reasons why this is happening, and technology is right at the top of the list. Researchers show that the brains of heavy internet users shrink in the same way as those addicted to cocaine and heroin do. Doctors have even written about digital dementia, which is irreversible deficits in brain development and memory loss amongst children who spend a lot of their time on their electronic devices. Studies have also demonstrated how constant interruptions and multitasking from technology can reduce our attention span, decrease our productivity and increase stress. I know it's a simple thing to say, but try dealing with the negative impacts of technology by setting boundaries for its use, taking regular breaks, and being mindful of how much you're using it and how it's making you feel. Try to create tech-free spaces. Maybe your bedroom could be a tech-free zone, for example. Ask your friends and those close to you to point out when you're on your phone too long. These steps can all be helpful in establishing a healthier relationship with technology and to minimize its adverse effects on your attention. Now, of course, you can use technology in positive ways too. It's not all doom and gloom. And there's plenty of apps that can help you with well-being, such as music apps, mental health apps, mindfulness apps, apps that are related to your hobbies and so on. So you don't need to stay off technology, but learn to engage with it in ways that are more pleasurable and purposeful. And of course, there are now companies and interventions that are designed specifically to improve mental health 
using social media platforms. I'm currently working with Coa Health to ensure that academic evidence makes its way into practice. Attention is a scarce resource and it acts as a production process to convert stimuli, money, marriage, sex and so on, into happiness. The brain is lazy and it wants to conserve energy, which is why we create habit loops. So you're not going to be happier and you're not going to reallocate your attention just by thinking so. So we need to design our environments and our lives in ways that make it easier for us to pay attention to the things that make us feel good and away from the things that make us feel bad. Use checklists. Try to reduce time spent mind-wandering. Have new experiences. Get feedback from other people and yourself. Remember that tech can sometimes be a force for good as well as for ill. We need to redesign our mental factories so that we can be happier. The main theme that's emerging here is to design your environment in ways that allow you to go with the grain of your human nature. Don't fight against it. And then you can be happier without having to think too hard about it. It's a bit like designing a park for a dog. You spend a lot of time organizing it properly and then let the dog off the lead. That's what you need to do to yourself. Design your life well, let yourself off the lead, and then you can be happier without having to think too hard about it. My ambition in creating Get Happier goes beyond simply offering a free copy and ending it there. I intend to foster a community of individuals who can make society happier using rigorous and relevant evidence with minimal effort. Subscribe to my Substack where I'll share resources and insights so that all of us, individuals, citizens, employees, employers, parents and policymakers can all get happier.